Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Pamit's Porch. It's the 10th anniversary of, uh, of being in, in podcasting here. I've been a, a radio disc jockey for many years, but uh, didn't delve into podcasting until, oh, took the dive with Selena Fox from Circle Sanctuary 10 years ago on 11-11-11. And we did a show called Pagan Warrior Radio, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, so guess what? Secret surprise! Selena will be on in a couple of minutes. So would Byron Ballard. We'll be talking about Embracing Willendorf, a, a wonderful book that she wrote, uh, much needed in the pagan community about uh, loving your body and health and exercise and uh, meditation. But I'm going to play Suja's, S.J. Tucker's newest song. Uh, this is a teaser, Red Shoes teaser mix, Alchemist Eyes.
into S.J. Tucker stuff, Alchemist Eyes, Red Shoes, Teaser, Mix. Uh, find it on Bandcamp and all of her stuff. In fact, if you're looking for gifts to give your favorite pagan music fan, um, you can find a lot of really good stuff on Bandcamp, including S.J.'s uh, stuff and Ginger Doss and, like, Think about it. They're, they're probably there on Bandcamp. But we are here on the porch on kind of a chilly night. Got the fire going. And it just, uh, I've got Byron Ballard, the Village Witch of Asheville, ready to talk about her book, uh, Embracing Willendorf, A Witch's Way of Loving Your Body to Health and Fitness. But before that, tonight's a special night for me and for Selena Fox. It was 10 years ago on 11-11-11 that uh, – mm. Selena, you know, had faith that I could be a good person to work with to, to get podcast podcasting off as part of uh, what Circle Sanctuary offers. And especially for pagans in the military and first responders, because that's very important to the, the mission of Circle Sanctuary is to, to support um, those who serve. So doing this on, on uh, Veterans Day, um so important and so selena thank you selena is here selena thank you so much for coming here tonight it's great to be with you and veterans day blessings to all who are listening live and listening later and for those in other countries it's armistice day so blessings for that as well Thank you. I had to mute my my phone because my dog likes to be part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Interspecies communications. There well, you go. This this is a wonderful anniversary. Ten years ago, podcasting wow. uh, became part of our journey. We had Pagan Warrior Radio, and that we expanded our Circle Sanctuaries Military Ministries work into podcasting. And I want to mm-hmm. give thanks to you, Pam, for your work as a distinctive faith group leader at Shepherd's Air Force Base in Texas, um, which Circle Sanctuary sponsored. And give thanks to you for your support of Circle Sanctuary, its religious freedom work, its nature preservation work, its education and festivals, and its military ministries and interreligious work. So it's wonderful to be here on this 10th anniversary of doing podcasting. And it's also the 10th anniversary of the Pagan Military Service Ribbon. And this is something that we present to those who have served in the U.S. military and allied forces who are pagan. And so those who are really interested in finding out more about that, can go to the Circle Sanctuary website under our work, look at Military Ministries, and you will see Pagan Military Service Ribbon. And we hope to do a Zoom in coming months in which we will do our first Pagan Military Service Ribbon presentation ceremony via Zoom. So we're hoping that this pandemic will subside. We can do a lot more indoor stuff. And um, we are so glad for your support and thankful for the support of others. 
and it's another anniversary. It's the 15th anniversary of the founding of the Order of the Pentacle. Yes. Awesome. The Order of the Pentacle, that's uh, something Dave Sassman, Reverend Dave Sassman, works a lot on as well, too, as well as a lot of things with the the military uh, ministry within Circle Sanctuary. Yes, and David Ewing is the steward of Order of the Pentacle, and actually not only Dave Sassman, but all of our military ministers, there are 11 of us now from different parts of the country. Most are veterans. Um, we all have some connection with the U.S. military. For me, my father, a World War II veteran, and my grandfather, a World War I veteran, want to honor them. They're in the other world at this point. And, and actually, I come from multi-generations of those who have served in the U.S. Armed Forces. I never um, did a military service, but I did work in a civilian capacity at the Pentagon back yeah. in the 1960s. So, so for me, Veterans Day is a time of paying respect to those who are serving, to those who have served, to those who have served and that are no longer incarnate, and to their loved ones, family and friends. And I give thanks for being able to do a bit of Veterans Day celebration here tonight on your podcast. One of the things that we do, we have taken prayer cards. And our program is called Operation Circle Care. We have these cards. They're on pretty heavy-duty stock. They fit into billfolds. And um, I'd like to share tonight a version of our Powers of Nature Warriors Blessing for all the veterans and active-duty people who happen to be listening live and later. Powers of sacred earth, bless and protect warriors who serve and are serving on and in land. Powers of sacred air, bless and protect warriors who serve and who have served in and through air. Powers of sacred fire, bless and protect warriors who have served and are serving with and under fire. Powers of sacred water, bless and protect warriors who served and are serving on, in, and by water. Powers of the sacred spirit, bless and protect warriors who serve, who have served, and their loved ones. So mote it be. So mote it be. Uh, I got to say something about this, too, because when you started talking about how we uh, we tried to, to honor those who served in the military, including allied forces, you brought this up last night because I was a, a guest on the Circle Sanctuary uh, podcast network that you can find on Blog Talk Radio as well, and uh, lots of different shows with classes you give workshops the ewings the uh david and jeanette ewing were definitely uh um a uh 
sorry, I'm going to go ahead and David and Jeanette Ewing were partners, uh, partners for me um, with the, the Pagan Warrior Radio as well. And they're amazing. Yeah. But one, one thing that you brought up is a, a lot of people I don't think understand the, the history with military and paganism. And you brought up the pagan, uh, pagan military service ribbon that you gave to Raymond Buckland. Yes, and we've had a variety of people take part in our audio ceremonies over the years. And, and it was a year or so before Ray crossed over into the mm-hmm. other world, and he served in the Royal Air Force. And he and I have been friends um, across lifetimes and for decades in um, <laughs> this time. And it was really fabulous to have him call in and for us to present the Pagan Military Service ribbon to him. It was fabulous. It was. It was amazing. I, I'm, I thank you so much for, for letting me be part of this, for trusting me and believing me to, to be part of this journey with, uh, with, with you and podcasting and with Circle Sanctuary and podcasting and being able to be a, um, a, a sponsored circle at Shepherd Air Force Base, uh, which is some of the, the most important uh, fulfilling times in my life. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast for a happy 10th anniversary, Selena. (laughs) It's really wonderful to celebrate with you and many blessings. Thank you. Thank you too. um, CircleSanctuary.org. If people want to find out more of what's going on with Circle Sanctuary and find out the the podcasts, uh, your podcasts are linked there, correct? Oh, she left. Um, yes, yeah, CircleSanctuary.org <laughs> is the place. She's, I, 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 I tell her when I ask her, oh, I really I, – I hate asking her to because to, her time. She does so much. Uh, but I was just so blessed and honored that she was able to, to spend a little bit of time with us tonight, Byron. And it was through one of her shows that I actually – I think that's the first time that we ever got to chat um, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. She has so, been she has been a nexus for so many people and so many groups of people over the years. We are blessed in Selena yeah. Fox. We are. We are. We really are. It's I hope, I, I hope that gets back to her. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll I'll I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Oh she, yeah, I'm sure it will too. Honestly I I, I was I, really I, fortunate. No, go ahead. No, it's it's all you. Go ahead. I was really fortunate um, to be a tiny part of the Pentacle Quest back in the day. And I was one of the people who spoke in Lafayette Park in D.C. And it was, I I can't even describe it, the, the energy of pagan people realizing that for the first time that was, that was a, that a right that had been extended to so many other people would also be extended to our uh, fallen veterans. Exactly. It was just, it was extraordinary. Um, we've done. So, yeah, all power to her. 
we've done some shows in the past. Um, you know, we, she and I started out with the Pagans Tonight Radio Network, and uh, they're still up and running and doing other things. But they did a um, a big change a few years ago, and that's where Circle Sanctuary went off and, and did theirs. And then I I kind of sat on my my butt for a while, saying, "Oh, I got to do something," and started the the, the Witching Hour spellcast, but then the pandemic kind of hit and I got involved with politics and then things started happening. And the closer we got to Salwin telling me, Pam, <laughs> Pam, get back into <laughs> doing this stuff. You, you, you know, the, the pagan, uh, the pagan world needs, needs you. I, I will tell you that with the, the a lot of the activist work that I've been doing with, um, Call, you know, we we're calling into Georgia for the elections uh, to help cure mm-hmm. ballots for uh, Ossoff and Warnock to get the, those two senatorial seats and um, doing things with, you know, voter protection uh, throughout the South and working up in Wisconsin, where Selena's from with the Wisdoms. And of course, in, in my new home, your, your home for generations, North Carolina, working with that. Woo-hoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say that I, I try to make it a point at least once a phone bank, not once a, a session, but once a time that I'm working with somebody to, to let them know that I'm I'm here to, to represent um, pagans. Because, you know, just like with the, the Pentacle Quest, I don't think people realize we're here until we, like, step up and say, yeah, we are. We're here. Well, they don't. They don't understand that, and I won't say all people, but a great number of people think that the word pagan means someone who is irreligious and non-Christian. Um, and I mean, in North Carolina, at least up here yeah. in the mountains, we all grew up being referred to as little heathens, which <laughs> meant that you were unchurched and your manners were disgusting, and probably you needed to go cut a switch right now. And so with the baggage of the language, with I mean, certainly with the word pagan, but absolutely with the word wit, we have a lot of splaining that we have to do, a lot of splaining. Yeah. But it's it's good. And there there are so many people now in pagan and pagan affiliate sorts of earth-based religions that are doing interfaith work so that we can talk about our holy days. We can talk about the nature of divinity. I mean, as much as any one of us can, considering that we are all so uh, individual in our views. How was yes. that? Was that po- politically correct enough? Yeah, well, and yeah, we all have our <laughs> own, you know, we're, we're all called differently. We we all have our own path. It's, you know, that's one of the things I love. And, you know, and I want to go ahead and give the, the disclaimer. I use pagan as the blanket term, the umbrella term. It's not meant to um, to dilute anybody's beliefs. It's just, it's hopefully seen as an inclusive word. I really do hope it's taken that way because I, I identify well, as a witch. Yeah. I identify as a witch. I've always identified as a witch since I was a kid. I'm a witch. <laughs> but what that <laughs> means, it, that what that means to, to, you know, from one person to another Yeah, it can be different. Pam, I can't hear you. I don't know if you can hear me or not. 
Oh, I hit the button on my my microphone. The, one of the things oh, okay. I love about <laughs> one of the things I love about <laughs> oh. what the internet has given us, uh, and and you know we were talking about it. Selena was talking about it last night on the Circle Sanctuary uh, Network podcast. With the we were talking about uh, military ministries within Circle, um, and I was one of the many guests. She there's so much that she does. So please check that out. Mm. Um, but she's, she talked about how, and, and I don't know if you remember these <laughs> back in the old days when you would get these like mimeographed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Did, I, you know, and as soon as you say that, can you smell it? Cause I can yes. too. <laughs> yeah. It's a sense yeah. memory mimeograph. But, but we had those little printed, like pamphlets and booklets out there um, with, with the different groups, like, you know, Ray Buckland, um, his group mm-hmm. uh, down in, in the, the crystal well with the, the Fitches, you know, it was, it was done. You, you know, you had to know somebody who knew how to get a hold of these booklets of where different pagan groups were. So, to me, the term Wicca carries the baggage of, um, like, Alexandrian, you know, Gregorian, uh, Gardnerian, obviously, back in the day when it was really difficult to find a coven and go through the mm-hmm. year and the day. And then, you know, along oh comes... Oh, my gosh. Right. And along comes Cunningham. And, you know, I, I was just reminded the other day that we lost Carla... Carla Wellen Wesky around this time uh, six mm-hmm. years ago. And we did a, you know, when Selena was talking about her, her um, friendship with Ray, Ray Buckland, we had a, a memorial that we did on, on the Pagans tonight that we had um, Oberon and uh, Mr. Buckland and Selena and Lord Don from the Corellians and uh, mm-hmm. Lon Milo Duquette and and it was like I was like in heaven I was like this fly on the wall going you guys keep talking keep talking about the old days but well and I, and it's important to talk about those old days because yes things have changed in a lot of ways but yes. I think we need to remember our roots even if those roots make us a little bit uncomfortable because things weren't Mm, the languaging around things wasn't as careful as it is now. Yeah. And, um, but I think we need to know those roots and that modern pagan people and witch people and all of those words that the word spaghetti of our religions and spiritualities, it's important that we know where that all came from, whether right. we want to uh, celebrate it is another question, but we need to acknowledge it. I think it's really important, and there are far too many people now, and I'm not pointing at young people because it's not just young people. Right. But there are a lot of people that don't know that, you know, in the in the 1990s, it still wasn't safe in, a, a, in many places to use the word witch. Right. And today, in 2021, even here in the United States, there are plenty of places where it's not safe to be a witch and to be publicly a witch. And I think a lot of these people don't know that. 
it I'm in one of those places. I mean, the only thing that yeah. that's me is that I'm from I'm from Texas, according to them, even though I'm a military brat. But you know, so I'm just that weird woman. But already the neighbor down the street, they they tell their child not to talk to me because I'm going to steal him. I'm like, what? No, thank you. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. But but that's you know that's part of what we have to deal with. Um. So it, it is important to know where we came from. But but going back to what you were saying about the the new witches, there is a big explosion of people interested in in finding you know finding our ways to, to following our path. And and what I was trying to lead to with with where Selena had started off with Circle, putting out a, like a yearly pamphlet of where the different circles were. Uh, across the United States and where to find things. And then we had at the beginning of, uh, we had Cunningham's uh, uh, solitary practitioner uh, mm-hmm. and Llewellyn, Llewellyn putting out books. And, you know, let's be honest, a lot of Llewellyn books at the very beginning were like kind of, some of them were like questionable. I remember a friend of mine who oh. had a friend, yeah, he, he did a, a book on runes. And they changed the cover since, but the, the original prototype, the runes around the cover said, these don't mean anything, but they sure look neat. And I saw it with my oh own my eyes. God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Well, the, the I, I mean, Llewellyn is, yeah, and Llewellyn is one of my publishers. So I will say that things have changed there and things have, have. changed in general in our communities. But there are still people, and, and hang on, I need to step onto my soapbox for a minute. <laughs> there are still people that use, especially the word witch, as, as a fashion accessory and an aesthetic. And hmm. I guess that's okay in their minds, but um, somebody, I think probably on Twitter, because that's where I usually get into trouble, um, <laughs> somebody on Twitter said, well, so how would you define a witch? And I said, well, there's only one way to define a witch. If you don't practice witchcraft, you are not a witch, period. There you go. Period. There you go. So you can have a witchy aesthetic, and you can dress in black from head to toe. And if you could see me right now, I'm dressed in black from head to toe. I have a black <laughs> eyeliner. You know, I'm pretty kind of stereotypically standard. But mm-hmm. the thing that makes me a witch is none of that. The thing that makes me a witch is that I practice witchcraft. Full and there stop. you go. And if you don't practice witchcraft, you're not a witch, period. Well, well, I'm trying to, to, to tie this all into where we've been and what, we, what we've seen in the past because there's always, you know, the original stuff was this is how you cast a spell. This is how you do. And it was, it was mostly like, okay, astrology, these are the, the, the stones. And then um, we had the the guide for the solitary practitioner, so it made people uh, made witchcraft and Wicca more readily available to everyone. And then the internet came, and we had things like Witchbox, um, which it was oh still- my gosh, Witchbox! Yeah, I remember Witchbox. So <laughs> wonderful. Well, I also but- want to give a shout out to a, a series of books that that are incredibly important even now. And those were the books written by the Campanellis, Pauline oh, yeah. and Dan Campanelli. Those those books are how you lead a pagan life. It wasn't some it wasn't an aesthetic. It was this is what you do. Here's what the cycle of the seasons looks like. This is these are ways you can celebrate them. 
And it was incredibly important when we were going beyond just wearing a long black cloak and a pentacle the size of a salad plate. But we really wanted to actually practice a religion. See, and that's, and, you, and those you were, took me perfectly very where important. I wanted to go. You took me perfectly oh, where I wanted to go. Because, I love because, to do that. Yeah, because I, I, I was, I'm a military brat. I was able to live in Germany for part of my life. And I know that, that you're know, reading your book and talking about Willendorf, even though Austria is not Germany, it's still German speaking. Um, but mm. when you go there and the old ways are still around you and, and they still practice yeah. witchy things. And it's just like, yeah, you know, it's the time of year. We put the wolves bane on the doors. Because we want to right. want to make sure the werewolves don't come. Or like right now, if I were to go out into the field, if somebody had left like an apple and I picked it from a tree to eat it, oh my gosh, you don't do it after after the, no, the final no, harvest. No. That's not mine. you don't. And or and depending on what culture you're in, like today, in addition to being Armistice Day and Veterans Day and any number of wonderful eleven eleven days. It's also the Martin Mass, and that's oh. a British and German folk holiday about um, St. Martin of Tours. And it is it is replete with superstitious stuff that you can and can't do, and signs and symbols and divinations that happen on the Martin Mass. And that's where I- we are today. I totally forgot about that. That was the first, when I first moved to Germany, when I was um, 11 years old, that was like my first, my first, I lived in a town called Eisenschmidt. And it was like this itty bitty, and it's really funny because I play World of Warcraft and there's a a town that the the dwarves live in called Iron Forge. And that's what Eisenschmidt means. (laughs) So I actually live in Iron Forge. Where is Eisenschmidt? What part of Germany is it in? Um, it's in Bernkastel Wittlich. It's um, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux had a, an abbey near there. Um, it's it's really magical. It is so magical. I, I love Germany. I love <gasps> Germany. I was a German major in college. Did you know that? Yeah, I read it in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just so, find Germany. I find Austria. All the German-speaking countries, Switzerland. I just find them so. Uh, deeply enmeshed in the soil of their land. Exactly, exactly. And that's where, you know, I I, I was raised with uh, the old ways are just there and they're part of, and, mm-hmm. and and trying to make those, like what you're talking with the Camp- Campanelli's books, taking the, the magic from being like ethereal and out there and actually bringing it into your everyday life. That see, that's see where I was going to talk about your embracing Willendorf. <laughs> there's, there's not, there's a lot of books on, you know, okay, well you need this stone for that. I remember teaching stones when I, when I used to run the, the group in at Shepherd Air Force Base and people were like, well, how do you use them? Well, you find a stone that has, the properties and that resonates with you and they're like, but how? Well, it, it's, it's, um. <laughs> it's, you bring it. You, if I carry, Oh my gosh, I got to tell you the story. When I was living in, in England, um, I started getting into stones again. I'd quit carrying them around. And then I, I started when I was back in England. Um, 
because the way I look at it is it's easy enough to uh, ignore the sound of the magic here in the States if you're not really, really connected with it, with the energy. But when you're over in Europe, it's like having a two-story foot tall speaker in front of you at full blast <laughs> and your hair blowing out behind you. You cannot. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That energy is like, boom, I'm here. So, <laughs> I remember being, and this was in, I think this was in England rather than on the continent, but I was doing some tour of something and, and somebody said, yes, well, this hedge has been, we first planted this hedge in 1715. And and in my head and out of my mouth came, that hedge is older than my country. The yeah. hedge is older than my country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It it and yes and 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 the when when they grow the hedge, it's not like we planted some bushes over there. The hedge is right. there, there's right. so much magic. <laughs> And so much intent, intentions, and so much going into what a hedge is. Because a hedge, uh, see, I I hate putting putting labels on what I do, but I know that hedge, which is part of it, because like you start talking hedges, mm. I'm like, a hedge is a boundary, and a hedge is not a bush, and a uh, hedge is yeah, <laughs> and a, and a hedge, a hedge is a world. Yeah, yeah. Britain right now is they got rid of all of their hedges because they were doing this big agriculture. Not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them, they just took them down because they wanted to connect all the fields so that they could use this huge equipment and, you know, do big American agriculture. And now they're going back and replanting and remaking hedges because it's not just a boundary for a field. It's an entire ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And to have lost those um, left the landscape, not only the landscape of Britain, but the, the ecology of Britain, at a at a huge disadvantage, because it's more than a boundary. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a my hedge witch, no question. Well, For a while, I did a um a, mm-hmm. a newsletter called From the Edges and Hedges. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so hedge witchery. And hedges and the, the, the veils between between worlds and, and such like that. I got to tell you what happened tonight while I was preparing for the show. I went out to get my um, to get my mail. And, I you know, I'd ha- I live in a small town, not huge, but I'm like right on the, be- I, I, you know, I can throw a rock at, at, at an, a large interstate not far from my house. Uh, so I'm not like, yeah. you know, I'm not isolated. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still nice here and, you know, country-ish. And I went out to my, my, uh, down the, the little driveway to get my mail and you could see the mist was coming in. But when I was like walking back mm. to the house, something caught my attention and I turned around and you could tell the, the energy, the haint of a, of a, of a mist form that was like, yeah, I know. Right going down the road. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> How's it going? Well, I'm here. One, Go ahead. One of the truisms of pagan pagandom, at least in the West, is this notion that there's a veil between the worlds of matter and spirit. And we've talked about that mm-hmm. for decades, for generations. I'm here to tell you there's not a damn veil. And if there ever was one, I'd be surprised. But right now, we are inundated 
with all the spirit beings. And it's not just because it's Salentide. It's because there is no veil. And so you will see, just like you saw today, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, hi. And sometimes they acknowledge you and are aware of you, but mostly they're just on, they're doing their own thing. And off they go. I, oh, I guess what I'm talking about veil, I guess more of what I, what I think about is, is, is maybe a, a, a vibration of energy that if you're not attuned to mm-hmm. it, it might as well be on the other, on, on another plane. Well, it is on another plane, but on another, no, but that's it might a good well way to put it. If you're not attuned to it, you're probably going to go, oh, well, I guess there must be a big heavy veil between the worlds. Mm, I no, that could be that. your issue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm going to use uh, Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide. Um, he, he had a thing called uh, an SEP that was somebody else's <laughs> problem. You you couldn't see it because yes. it was an SEP. Yes. <laughs> oh God, I love I love that book so much. I yeah I you know what can you say? There's Douglas so much Adams wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is so but much wisdom. That's the point is, is if you're trying to do witchcraft, in my opinion, and, and, and your book is, you know, kind of leads into this as the, the embracing Willendorf. If you're trying to do witchcraft by, you know, which herbs do you, which herbs or herbs you need, which, you know, direction do you need to be facing? Those are important as, as important as you want to make them. They are important but they aren't as important as trying to weave in the magic in your everyday life. And yes. the fact that there aren't a lot of books that, you know, there's a lot of books like, you know, the magical tools or um, what's your, you know, what astrology or, um, a, you know, this is a, a book on druidry. Um, but there's not a lot of books that are like, hey, you're a witch or a magical type person, earth-based person, and how do you use your your tradition, your path to help you become healthier? I am I am chuckling to myself because right now I am preparing a, a book proposal for a publisher. That's mm-hmm. about simple practical magic. It's just you don't need it. a whole bunch of crap. You just here are here is the stuff that you were never trained to do because we don't get much training anymore. We just get right. to read, you know, dozens and dozens of books. But the idea I I and it's based on a class that I've done, gosh, all over the place. And the the reality is that when you tell people to ground and witches don't know how to ground themselves, <gasps> that's a no. problem. That when you are teaching how you shield yourself and witches go, oh, I, I don't know how to shield myself, that's a problem because those are basic. Yeah. Ground, shield, center, pull the energy into your body and do some magic. And exactly. it's not, it does not have to be more complicated than that. You can oh, make it more oh. complicated, certainly, but why would you want to? Oh, oh, trust me. Yeah, I get that. You know, um, grounding, <laughs> that's, I know some people are like, is this really magic? It kind of reminds me in your chapter when you're talking about, you know, being a witch and people saying, uh, can you kill my lawyer? <laughs> right. 
It's that was so witch. funny. God, that was like that was like thirty <laughs> years ago. That phone call. Yeah, um, for those people who are listening who don't know that story, a woman called me out of the blue and she said, "So you're a witch?" And I was like, "Yes, ma'am." And she said, "So can you, can you kill my lawyer?" And I went and I went through this whole song and dance about, "No, let's call what has happened." And I listened and. Maybe you need to call the State Bar Association because that feels pretty – well, and then we go through the whole thing, and, and then she says, well, can you teach me how to kill my lawyer? And I was like, yes, I could teach you how to do that, but by the time you went through all the training required to be able to do that, you would know why you don't want to do that. So, And I have no idea what she did after that. I have no idea. But, yeah. So I'm looking forward to to writing that down. I think I think <laughs> I am. Well, uh, you know, I am known as somebody who does bane work, who does hexing and cursing, and I do it as an extreme healing modality. Um, yeah. So you know, I am hoping, I am hopeful that by getting this information out there, that I won't have to deal so often with people who go. Oh, but grounding is so hard. You didn't understand I'm an air sign. I just can't do it. And then I have oh, to feel what? like I'm a, a drill sergeant. I feel like a Marine drill sergeant going, then you have to work harder. There's, exactly. no, there's no try. If You have to be able to do this. And if you can't do that, you can't practice. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Air signs, water signs. My sun sign is water sign. My birthday was a couple of days ago on the 7th. Um, Happy birthday. Thank you. But that doesn't mean that I can't work with the other elements. I There's no, this, this mentality doesn't. that came from, like, uh, I think the last airbender anime that, you know, I've had these young witchlings say, <laughs> oh, I, I work with this element. I can't work with the other elements. And I said, well, then you can't do magic. Um, and if you're an air sign, the, the whole – Okay, so this is like one of my 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 soapbox here. The, here, let me take your hand while you get up on your soapbox. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I have this very unpopular. I think. Well, it's not really unpopular, but it's a challenging thing. I really don't like the neo pagan wheel of the year because because the wheel of the year has been around for millennia, and it's called astrology. It's called the horoscope. And it's been around with all the the the, the cross quarters and the you know the, the the holy days already woven into it. So if you and and then if you understand that and you plant astrology, you know what you know about astrology over it, it makes more sense than to try to you know create a you know that's just me. That's just me. I really don't like. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are where you are with that. Um, Obviously, my most recent book, Seasons of a Magical Life, is all about the Wheel of the Year. And in it, I I say, look, it's the solstices, it's equinoxes. You don't have to believe in them. They're just going to happen. But in between are these wonderful spaces where you plant you tend, you harvest, and you rest. And that can be literal if you're following an agricultural year, but it doesn't have to be literal. It can be, I am going to plan what this year is going to be like. I'm going to tend to those intentions, and then I'm going to harvest. I'm going to, I'm going to figure out how it is I did what I did, and I'm going to take advantage of it, pull in my resources, and then I'm going to take a break. Well, and that's, yeah. that's, 
and and the, the the whole thing when you're talking about the wheel of the year and when you're talking about the holy days and when you're talking about um, astrology, if you say you're an air sign, then you're not getting it because when you look at a wheel, <laughs> you're you're trying to to balance and you're trying to where you you know I'm a water sign, I'm a Scorpio, I have worked so hard to fight a lot of the tendencies that Scorpios love like yeah I'm mad guess why I'm mad here I'll give you a hint of why I'm not mad and if you think that's why I'm mad then you obviously don't care about me or know because this is what I'm really mad about but I'm never going to tell you because if I tell you why I'm mad you'll have power over so I've I've had exactly it's a vulnerability thing yeah I've had no I say um Yeah, well, I mean, Scorpio is, I think, a much maligned sign. Um, And I say that, of course, because I have moon in Scorpio and Scorpio on the ascendant. (laughs) So I'm a Pisces. And before I knew anything at all about astrology, and frankly, I know just enough about astrology to be dangerous. But before I knew anything, really, I knew that Pisces was mystic and intuitive and artistic and creative and dreamy and all this stuff. And I am all that stuff emotional. So here would be my big old Pisces heart out on my sleeve and somebody would come around and slap it around a little bit. And then suddenly these two Scorpios would come out like velociraptors (laughs) and be like, someone has hurt us and now they must be punished. Yes. And it wasn't until years and years later that I realized how those two signs, I mean, they're both water signs, and yet they're both very different water signs. But it's, it's yeah. as you, you learn how all this stuff balances and how, how yeah. it's just like stones. It's just like, you know, uh, what stone do I use for this? Well, what is calling you to do that work? What, you know, I can give you some correspondences, but what are you trying to do? And it's the same thing with astrology. Um, I'm a, I'm, I thought my parents lied to me because I'm a Scorpio and (laughs) you can't get me to shut up. You cannot get me to shut up. And I do not want to be. That is unusual. I do not want to be this quiet little. But but see, here's the thing, Byron. Right now, while we're doing the show, this is what you're going to get. But if you were going to come to my house, I'd go off in a corner. I'd watch my shows. I'd read whatever. Leave me alone. But that's that's what hmm. the difference between a rising sign and a sun sign are, is your, your rising yeah. signs, what you present. And that would happen to be because I related so much with it. And I'm like, why the hell did my parents lie to me? I was actually born in August, right? I'm a Leo rising. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, well, I, I come in like, ta-da, go ahead. Ta-da. No, I was just going to say, I remember being at a conference several years ago. And one of the presenters had to back out literally at the last minute because her child was sick. And I knew how much this child oh, no. meant to her. And so the the organizers came to me and they said, can you fill this time slot? And I was like, yeah, of course. What do you want? You want this, this, this. And we went through classes. And then I went up to my room at the break to contact my friend and see how her daughter was and see how she was and tell her, you know, it was all covered, not to worry. And And I had a cup of tea. And so I was just kind of, there, focused, doing my thing, and then I finished, and everything was satisfactory, and I picked up notes because I was going to go do this class, 
I had the last kind of slurp of tea, and I put my cup down, and I, and I stood up and went, ah, now it's time to be Byron Ballard. And yes. a, friend, a friend who was hanging out with me in my room, she she talked to me about it later, and she said, that just felt so weird to me. Like, do you feel like you put on a different persona? And I said, no, but the energy is different. So my yes. presentation energy is going to be very different than my checking on my friend and looking over my notes energy. It's just, it's an energy <laughs> thing. It's not like I'm a different person, but, you know, it's the, ta-da, just what you were saying. Yeah. Well, you know, and I was a radio disc jockey for many years, and um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I would, I'd be having a conversation with people, and they're like, you're a disc jockey. You don't sound like a disc jockey. Use your radio voice. I'm like, I don't have a radio voice. I have a radio persona. I have a radio energy. I have a radio intent because my intent when I open the mic is to get your attention, to lift your spirits, to, you know, know, entertain you. Uh, But I'm not going to do that when we're talking about, you know, my bunions. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, and and I will (laughs) – I will say to people at festivals, um, well, you know, I'm a theater person. It, it, that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yes. So that when I'm teaching a class, I, I'm working really hard to reintegrate my native accent. So I will be teaching an Appalachian class, and I try to sound, I try to pull back into that Appalachian accent. Mm-hmm. But I am a trained Greek tragedy and Shakespearean actor. So when I go into circle and you want me to call, I'm going to be calling. And people will come up afterwards and they'll go, you know, I I go to ritual all the time and I've just never, I've never felt the directions coming up and really being present. Oh my gosh, you are so, and I just want to say to them, and I do say to them, look, it's just the power of a trained voice. It's all for you. You know that you connect with the directions the way you connect with them and the elements the way you connect with them. I'm just giving you my very best dramatic interpretation so that it's easy for you to ease into, oh, there's the East. I can see it now. Well, something that you and I have in common are, are Irish roots. I think some of it, though, is that's where glamour comes in. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think mm-hmm. that glamour, you know, when you're talking about glamour, like it's, you know, something off of a, uh, you know, you know, from uh, from Excalibur, you know. <laughs> Did you just say the Anomarok? <laughs> I just said I said the um, the spell of the the dragon's breath from uh, from yeah, Excalibur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you just, but it's sorry, I I got taken back because because wow, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, so I know that. Yeah. <laughs> Not just that you know that, but that there was a connection when you did know it. You know, like a, like well, a, I have a story like, about that when you finish. It's like a namaste. <laughs> it's like a namaste yes. of a of, yes. of, of Arthurian. Yeah. Well, anyhow, it's 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 there is that um, connection when you learn how to use your voice. Um, for theater because you are conjuring another reality and it is magic and it's those veils it's those veils that are there but aren't there so well i remember talking to a druid whose name i will not say but if i did everybody go oh yeah that guy um (laughs) and we were talking about tolkien 
and how it had influenced both of us heavily. And and he said so. And he he named the character that he most associated with. And he said, "How about you?" And I said, "Well, I mean, I I really am kind of a Goldberry person, but there aren't a lot of women characters in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. so." I don't know. I thought maybe Goldberry, maybe Galadriel, and then I was kind of, you know, trying to figure. And he just looked at me and he said, "And then you found out you were Saruman, didn't you?" And I went, "Yes." <laughs> then I found out it was all about my voice. It was not about lilies at my feet, and it was not about being beautiful and terrible. As the day, it was that I could use my voice to do whatever I wanted to do. So yeah, so I'm Saruman. I'm using always, it for good, though. I've always identified <laughs> with the with the brandy bucks. So and oh, and me yeah. too. I'm I'm you know it, it's what yeah. we all did, and you and I are. I think I'm older than you are, but when you ran into classic literature like that, and there weren't a lot of female characters, you just mm-hmm. became the sister of some of the male characters. Yep. So <laughs> I was always I was always Peregrine Took's sister. I was the smart <laughs> sister. Yeah, I was the I was always a brandy buck. So that's and yeah, that's uh in fact I'll, messing uh, about in boats. Yeah. <laughs> Just being <laughs> being that it's that kind of impish that kind of well I lost you. I keep hitting this button on on the 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 microphone, it keeps going away. The new so button. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I am going to to make the the Dark Rabbit Radio that I've been talking about forever. But the Dark Rabbit Radio is that puka, that puckish energy, because rabbits mm. are yeah. So and and that glamour too, and the veils and that. So obvi- that's that all means a lot to me. But but what I'm saying is as I'm as I'm weaving this all in, it's all how I'm doing this. You know, I'm not trying to cast a spell on people. This is just living magically. And, you yes. know, going back, you know, going back to when you were talking about the Campanelli's books, I think I had the, the one of the ones with the, the family. And it had, like, uh, different things, arts and crafts that you can do on the different Sabbaths with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I raised my daughters that way that you know whether they follow uh, a, a neo-pagan pagan wiccan which whatever path it, it's not as important to me that they understand the connection to, to things and, and yeah. how to live magically um so, <clears throat> so um, excuse me, i'm trying to get i'm enjoying this conversation immensely Myron, but i want to talk about your book because your book is 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 so uh it there is not a lot of places for common sense practical magic and and that's what i try to always you know practical magic magic should be I, throughout your life you know it should be how I am you just do a, i'm exactly mm-hmm. i am just a witch and a pagan and an animist obviously i'm an animist but mm-hmm. yeah the but the story I love to tell is I was invited to do um, to participate in a book called Women's Voices in Magic, and I I I would like I said I would like to do something about folk magic and compare Appalachian folk magic with um, with the folk magic of Mexico because we had a lot of of immigrants coming in, 
And the editor's response was, oh, we don't have any essays on low magic. That would be really good. And I was like, low magic? Low magic. And But that's the breakdown. You know, high magic, ceremonial magic is one thing, but low magic is sort of the magic of the people. Yeah. It's peasant magic. It is it is hedge magic, and and so my response always to people who say, "Oh, so you, uh, you practice folk magic," is, "Oh, you mean the kind of magic that works magic?" Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> that's exactly what I my, do. My my husband he does not claim he does not claim any pagan past, but uh, he sure does like his Molnir and his uh, his his talking about Odin, but he does not claim and, and, no. the, and the ratings. So, well, uh, but you know, yeah. sometimes, sometimes the divines claim us. Oh yeah. I know and that. We, he, and we just then serve them. And he's, it, he's, it's less a religion than it is servitude. <laughs> but he's, he's uh right now he's gone at the Scottish right and he's, he's a, mm. he's a Mason. And he does York right and and Scottish right, and he's he's not a glow in the dark person yet. So he he's not the the, the thing that you were invited to join <laughs> this last week. Ah, uh, uh, yes, I was. Yeah, uh, neither am not I, or would I tell you if I would? No, yeah. <laughs> you would not um, tell me. We would yeah. have to see each other and do this special handshake. Exactly, <laughs> um, but. But he's, I mean, you talk about the high magic, you know, I remember one time I was, I was doing a circle and he was watching me and he corrected me and he was right because he doesn't do this, but he's, you know, he knows he's one of the few Masons that understands what they're doing rather than wearing funny hats. Yeah. There is a whole new generation. I'm sure he's part of that a new generation of Masons who are really digging into that older stuff. Yes. And I find that a lot of them, you know, they're in either York or Scottish Rite or both. And they also are, some of them are Knights Templar. And they yeah. really are digging into some of that older stuff. And I think it's wonderful. Um, he's a, he's the a local, uh, Yeah. Yeah. The local worshipful master here. Oh, this has been several years ago now. Um, he invited me to the to the temple downtown, and and he said because you are because you know I'm um, I'm one of the founders of Mother Grove Goddess Temple, mm-hmm. and he really felt there was a there was a, a commonality between the two of us. And the way he right. put it was, I do the men's temple, you do the women's temple. So he invited exactly. me to to the lodge, and he said I'm going to open up some places that normally. People who are not Masons don't go into, and um, and I know you will be respectful, but I feel like there's some things you you need to know about what we do. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, if I start approaching something that I shouldn't approach, please just grab me by the back of my shirt and pull me away, because right. I will get into this trance-like place where, oh, here is the magic, oh, there is the object, and be yes. drawn to it, and and. And know that I should not touch it, and yet there's still that little imp inside me that's like, uh, uh, that thing right there. What if I just put my hand on it? So he he laughed and he said, "Yes, I will certainly do that." But I know you're going to be super respectful, and I love. It was wonderful. I got to mm-hmm. tell you about about my husband's uh, uh, Odin thing. He really likes the, okay. the ravens. 
he likes the Ravens, right? Mm. And we moved into our house. Um, and as we're moving in, we bought a house. And we're, as we're moving into the house, he was stressed out. I'm, I've got chronic illness issues, I, mobility issues. So I, I couldn't really help with the moving. So he was trying to do as much of the moving as possible. And on one of the last days in the old house, he went to a hardware store, a large chain, and I get this phone call from him, and um, and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? He says, oh, he says, how are you doing? I said, good. How are you doing? He says, I don't know. I'm like, what? He says, I was at at you know this hardware store, and I was standing, I was trying to get paint, and I started feeling nauseous. And I started breaking cool. into sweat and I started feeling heaviness in my chest and, and he's telling me all this stuff. And, and then I, and I'm like, what? And he says, so I paid for this stuff. And I'm like, are you an idiot? <laughs> I paid for this stuff. And I'm sitting here thinking you're an idiot. And then he goes, um, and, and then he goes, um, and then I drove myself to the hospital. I'm like, okay, so you're even more of an idiot. And he, he gets there, wow. and I said, well, you know, did they take your blood? He says, well, they put me on the machine, and they said there was nothing going on. And I said, well, did they take your blood? And he's like, no, but I'm sure they will. And I'm like, no, they need to do that now. So here I come, little five foot one of me, storming into the ER, demanding that they take his blood right now because they, they've got him waiting. You know, <laughs> they put him in the corner and put a blanket over him like, yeah, you can wait your turn. But and his pain was getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, you know, we get him in there and he is having a heart attack. And so here I am in our brand new house for the first you know week. I'm all alone and scared while he's, you know, mm having his heart attack and everything. So I, I, I go to the store and it's right before Halloween. Samhain, so um, I, there's all sorts of really neat decorations up and I saw a Raven. I saw two Ravens Aww. and I said, I'll get him these two Ravens. And then I thought, no, I'll just get him one. And so I get up to the, I, I put one away and I get up to the, to the cash register and the lady's like checking me out. And she says, this one only has one eye. Do you want me to put it back? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's still on her mantle. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, do not. We'll keep that one. So, wow. But, yeah, he's doing much better now. But, but it's, it's still, it's, it's those things that he's like, oh, yeah, I really think Odin's neat. But, no, I don't. So, that but see that's yeah. what you're talking about too is it's not necessarily people get in their minds that it has to be like the craft you know you brought that up Tom yeah you know I I have I mm-hmm. keep running into people who will say, talk about calling the corners and I'm like well, how you can call corners in a circle it's a circle circles can have corners calling the corners <laughs> so I just thought it was some really arcane, incanabula, high magic thing that I just I just had never heard of before. So <laughs> Evo Dominguez, I'm at a, a conference with Evo, and we're all sitting, we're having dinner, we're all sitting around drinking far too much wine. 
And I said, Evo, look, I got to ask you a question about ceremonial magic. And he was like, well, yes, I'll answer if I can. And he said, it's this business of calling the corners. Where does that come from? Is that like a Solomonic thing? Or I? And he just started laughing. He laughed his beautiful ass off. And he said, it's from the craft. And I said, what? And he said, the movie, the craft. They call the corners in the craft. And that's where all these, these people get it. I went, are you kidding me? No. Calling the corners. Corners. Yeah. You got to raise a circle by calling corners. There are no corners in the circle. You could raise a square that way. Well, Does anybody raise squares? Maybe. I I have got a book somewhere about uh, making it like a cube. You know, hmm. that, but, but. It's, but it's still the same concept, you know, still with the cube is still continuous. I don't know. I, yeah, it's, (laughs) well, because you're making it, because when you're, I always saw it as a bubble, but not everybody sees that. Again, when I teach that, when I teach that simple practical magic class, (laughs) I talk about colors and there's a dome above you and there's a dish below you blah 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 and and i'll say i used to think of it as like i travel in the bubble of light like glenda the good witch but if you think about the colors it's really more like a beach ball (laughs) so when we raise a circle you're like inside a beach ball and people just go oh okay that's i wanted it to be more kind of elegant than that but uh, beach ball works but that's my dog, will you stop? She's like wanting to get my attention for sure. Um, Aww, what kind of dog? She is uh, a Spanish water dog, Hungarian pumi mix. So she mm. is, is she a non-shedding her, dog? She's a non-shedding dog because I cool. I have I have um, allergies. So I was looking for a hypoallergenic dog that was going to be smart, and she's too smart for her own good. Yes, <laughs> and and definitely that would that they like to uh, connect with one person, um, and she's definitely connected to me, so I can't go anywhere without her, and and I'm her servant. Oh, so, <laughs> no, she's you know. So we know um, what God you serve. Which which God I serve? <laughs> I, we I, know which God you serve. Your dog. Yes, that's. Well, when I when I was when I was raising my daughters, I used to say that they were I was serving them. So, um, yeah. But now, yeah. Any anyhow, um, I have a lot of allergies, and I'm gonna go ahead and weave Aww. your your book. I'm gonna weave your book into this because I was your some of what your what you were going through in your in your journey with the embracing Willendorf, Willendorf so your your year of Willie, Willie. Um, the some of what you're going through really resonated with me. It resonated with me because I'm I'm overweight and there have been times that I uh lost weight. In fact I lost weight to join the military. Um and mm-hmm. some of the stuff that you talked about in that uh in the book resonated with me about um you're changing body and, and coming to terms with it and, and understanding it. And when you talked about, you know, getting into uh, doing uh, like sports and, or activities and stuff because you're, 
I, I was always a tomboy. I was roughhouse. And I remember hanging out with some of the guys that were um, in the military. I was like, they would do this thing on Fridays where they would like, they had these boff weapons and they beat each other up and wrestle. And so I was like mm-hmm. joining in. I was joining in and one of them kind of brushed me off. And I flew across the room and hit the wall on the opposite side of the room and then fell down into a bed on the other side of the room. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm I'm like, that's never happened to me before. That is so cool. (laughs) I've never been that light that somebody could just do that. I would that was just coming to terms with that. Um, But one of the things that that you know, that I think is really important. Um, there's a lot of people with chronic illnesses who follow the, the, the paths, the craft, the, the old ways that, that are in this, uh, in, in this, this life, you know, whether they do it, uh, trying to be like, like the craft or whether this is what they, how they follow their life. They seem to lose, they seem to lose the connection with basically everything that's in the book, <laughs> basically everything that's in the book. Um, I have super bad allergies. I have um, issues with my 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 stomach uh, with mm. and I was you know I kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and the doctor uh, was like about ready to quit me because he kept trying to send me to the surgeon. And I, w- I don't want to go to the surgeon. And he, he did quit me, but I did like my way back into, into him taking me as a patient. But I had a, he and another doctor said, well, why don't you try uh, eating low FODMAP, which is a, a specific, very restrictive diet. And it's not to lose weight, but it's a total, it's like you had a, a health concern. And when you started right. this path, it's because your your health, your boom numbers and and readings and health stuff, you know, hit you in the face of. Yeah. I so my I'm I'm gluten free. I'm. Um, you were talking about garlic. I can't have garlic. I have garlic that I can. Mm. I can like infuse oil i can have garlic infused oil but i can't have garlic mm. so i can have it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's how it's uh, it's all a chemical thing so but but your journey resonated with me a lot because of how how when you start making these connections how um you start making these changes and your life if you make it part of your practice, because it's part of your life and your practice is part of your life. So your diet change, your, your, uh, your fitness changes all become part of your practice because they're part of your life. Right. And, and if you, when you come to the place where you love your body, then to not do gluten is not some weird punishment that's being inflicted on you. You go, well, well, my body can't tolerate that, and I love my body, and so I'm not going to try to sneak around and see how much gluten I can get away with. You're going to go, well, I can't do gluten, so there's other things I'm going to do. They're going to be super delicious, like yummy, yummy broccoli that is steamed and 
stirred with fresh herbs and maybe some butter and whatever. But the embracing Willendorf is all about loving your body and then listening to it. And far too many people hate the, they hate their bodies. And yeah, sometimes well, they hate specific parts of their bodies. But an awful lot of Americans, especially American women <clears throat> and gay American men, hate their bodies. Because we're we're told Yeah, you're told we're told that your body has to be this thing. It has to be this way. And I see okay, I'm gonna back up a little bit. I teach actually is my most controversial class that I ever teach is on sex magic. And I explained, look, I came of age sexually in a golden era. It was it was after Roe v. Wade and the pill, and it was before HIV. So we did everything with everybody, and we just and we loved it, and we compared notes, and we did all, and and it was the worst that could happen to you, is that you would get an embarrassing disease that would have to be fixed, or you'd get pregnant, and there were ways to fix that too. So the the thing about that class is that I. When I can, and I can't always do this, I teach it in an open robe. So here's my naked 65-year-old body, and at some point in the class, I remove the robe, and I stand there as a 65-year-old woman who has been active and sexually active for many, many years, and that I love my body, and I love to pleasure my body. And I've had so many women walk up to me young women, women in their 20s and 30s, who who are so ashamed of their apparently culturally perfect bodies. And they're just, they're too embarrassed. They can never do what I just did. And that's the reason I keep doing it. It's not like I just want to show off my body and my saggy bits. It's that there are too many women who hold themselves to an impossible standard a physical impossible standard, a mental and emotional impossible standard. We've got to stop it. We've got to. All right, I'm stepping off the soapbox now. Are you there? Have you hit your mute again? Hit my mute again. I'm going to go ahead and tuck that into my my shirt. No, I I I caught the tail end of of that. I was coming of age just as HIV was starting to hit. So I was able to, to experience some of that. Um and then HIV was Heart so scary. Breaking. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's so scary and it it came with a whole ton of other um other uh uh stigma that, you know, gay disease we know that's not right it sorry but that's but see what i'm trying to say is we've got such this this country has such a horrible horrible puritanical way of looking at at sex and sexuality and the female body when we've got little girls in in that go to school wearing uh spaghetti straps uh you know second grade they're in a spaghetti strap tank top because it's hot out and they're getting sent home like they've done something wrong because the boys might think something naughty of them you know right it's there's so much well we we tell women 
We tell women again and again what they should not do and cannot do to keep their bodies safe rather than telling men, not all men, hello, telling men not to rape them. A a woman walking naked down the street in a G-string is not an invitation for some man to sexually harass her. But along along the same lines, the person who's going to rape you is not going to rape you because you're in a G-string. They're going to rape you because of control. They're going to rape you out because of violence. it's not about sex. Yeah, it's not, a, it's yeah. not about sex. But, but we have such a horrible relationship, and, and that relationship with our, our bodies and with sexuality is, is also part of why we, we get off track. Um, I, I've been able to, to be in, uh, in places where I could be sky-clad wh- around mm. everybody. And, and initially, you know, I was so shy. I was so, oh, I think I'll just, like, open my top a little bit. And then it's like, oh, I think I'll just, like, not have any buttons and just have my, oh, I think I'll just, like, be in my bra. And then eventually it's like, <laughs> you know, the girls are out. Heck, you know, why not? And and total sky clad. And, and it was not in a sexual, it was not like, you know, it was just, being free and loving who I am and accepting who oh, I am. Oh, yeah, and, and loving the feel of the of the breeze on your body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. One of my favorite was, places to visit is Wisteria in southern Ohio. And they've just gotten used to me now. They go, oh, yeah. So Byron's got her tent up, and now she's got her clothes up. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, you get to the point of like, okay, we're here. Start ripping your clothes off. Boo! Yeah. But one of the other things I loved in your book too is is I this is one of the things I I tell people about this but I I um it's almost like a in hushed tones. I worked at a sex shop. You talk about visiting sex shops and and mm-hmm. how much fun. And that was kind of like on a on a on a I worked at one of the more of like what you're talking about uh a higher class but it wasn't it was more of a <laughs> We sold the we were year the only place year round that you could buy. This is in Nebraska. The only place year round that you could buy um, swimsuits, and we were like a cross. Oh, how interesting! Victoria. Yeah, and we were like a cross between Victoria's Secret and and Spencer's, but a sex shop. We had a lot of couples stuff. We had a lot of lingerie. Um, we didn't have a peekaboo place, you know, we didn't have an arcade where people could watch stuff. Um, but it was geared towards, towards, uh, towards, uh, people, uh, couples and, and people and women, it was geared towards women feeling comfortable because a lot of those places are not built for women. They are not. Oh, and you go into some shops and some, I remember one guy was like following me around from everything I was looking at. He was like right behind me going, <sighs> you know, I'm looking God. at different things. I'm like back away. Uh, when I worked there, I've had guys that like hit, hit on me and I'm like, yeah, I really want to date you because I met you at a sex shop. That's not, you know, just because I work here doesn't mean that I'm, you know, <laughs> But the funniest, I, I have a really funny story that happened there, though. But um, I have a lot of funny stories. Um, but I, didn't, I only worked there for six weeks, I, but I really enjoyed it. And um, 
Um, I could sell the, the top-end battery-operated devices that cost nearly $200. We couldn't keep them in the shop because mm. they sold them so fast. I was a really good salesperson. Girl. Um, yeah, well, that's a Scorpio stuff with the, you know, got that Leo mm-hmm. in there saying, look at this. Um, <laughs> but... But one of the the neatest things we had to, to we had to card everybody because they were because it's Nebraska and they're extremely puritanical. And if anyone came right. in and they hadn't been carded and they didn't have a card, then I was going to get arrested. And I was told that they would wow. um, right. And I was told that the the place the the company would would um, pay for my my um, the company would pay for my lawyer except for if they found out that I didn't card them. So I had to card everybody. And I remember this one lady coming in, and she was with a, a, a guy. They look like about the same age, but she was like 15 years older, and she was in her 70s. And I was looking at her like, you go. She, and she was, you know, looked very high, higher class, you know, very – I was like, Damn. That's that's life goals right there. That is life yes, goals. Yes, absolutely. I mean, he, yeah, you know, he's in this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Oh, well, the guy was like in his 60s or so, uh, and she was like, you know, like in her 70s, but it was still like, you know, that was like robbing the cradle. It's like, damn, girl, you got yourself a young man. <laughs> and Yeah. But, oh, man, I love that. People are wondering how is this helping with 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 losing weight, but it is. It's about loving yourself, and and you're not. The book's not like eat to you know. It, it's like when you talked about going to to you know how difficult it is to this time of year, and having like cheesecake in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the thing about yeah. Willendorf that I I love to be able. To tell people after, because that book came out years ago, is that mm-hmm. after all of that, I am, I got on the scales this morning at 158 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So by loving my body, listening to my body, I have not only kept the weight off that I initially lost, but I've continued to lose, you know, a few pounds a year until I'm at, yeah. I'm at my lowest adult weight. I will have to say one bad thing about when we grew up, you know, when we were from the the time that we were uh, young and everybody was sexual. Uh, Women women in the media had to be anorexic. I remember looking at at people like Laurie Newman and Gilda Radner on uh, Saturday Night Live. They were like my, my, who I wanted to be. And they were so skinny. Yeah. And then I'm a huge Gilda Radner fan. And I looked at her Me stuff too. before. Yeah, there you go. We're, yeah. Byron, are we like separated sisters or something? I think we were separated at birth, except maybe not because we were a different age. But, yeah, I think we basically were the same person. But, but <laughs> if I, I, I read her book, The It's Always Something. Um, yeah. And, uh they had pictures of her when she was younger and she was a chunky little girl. And when she first started yeah. getting into to theater, when she was working, she, you know, there's a, a picture of her doing Godspell and she's this chunky, young, chunky girl. 
And, you know, it was really, it was really tough for me also being around the military and the military yeah. has, has the state of mind fit or fat. So if you are mm. overweight, you are a slob, you are, it's very difficult being raised in that environment. In fact, that's why I lost all the weight was in order to join. Yeah, it's um, it's something that, that our culture has done to us. Now, now we have lots of wonderful, amazing, heavy, fat role models. And I, I think that's really important. I think you have to do what your body needs. And for some women, they... They are going to need to do different things. They're going to need to exercise differently or eat differently or whatever, but it's all about listening to your body and not punishing yourself and loving your body and loving yourself. I talk a lot about self-care, radical self-care, because I think a lot of women in the pagan community don't do that. We don't no. do it well at all. No. We're really good at taking care of other people, yes. but we're not so good at taking care of ourselves. Well, the the funny thing when you're talking about listening to yourself, when I started doing this low FODMAP diet, all the foods that I'm supposed to avoid were the foods that I wouldn't eat when I was younger, that my family punished me to make me eat because I was being such a picky eater and, you know. Wow, like, like what? What, for example? Well, well, okay, so breakfast cereal. Let's just, that's a good, an mm-hmm. easy one to go. The only breakfast cereals I liked were Rice Krispie or Frosted Flakes, and those are rice or corn. They're not gluten. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I, I've been, I've been told that I'm, uh, that I am anti-American because I don't like peanut butter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> peanut butter is hard though. I mean, for a lot of people, it's hard on your system. Peanuts like can it. be very, very hard. Yeah. Okay. So this one, please do not come to my house and stone me, but I cannot eat bacon i'm actually allergic to bacon oh no i have a i have a friend who's allergic to all pork products and her yeah. she was raised on a, a farm where i mean pork is is omnipresent because they are cheap to raise and and yeah wow. and she I she just got sick every time she had to eat pork and it was because she found that she was allergic um and my allergist told me that it's it's actually more common than people realize um i i believe I, that I love pork, and and it's also connected with a with a cat allergy. If you're allergic to cats, you're more likely to be allergic to pork and pork products because the um, protein. Yeah, it's 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 actually a thing. Look it up: pork cat allergy. Huh. Pork cat allergy. So, but but I'm huh. gonna go ahead and tie something else that's super important in your book. This is okay, everybody. We're talking all over the place about the book, but it's about the journey, you know, to, to loving yourself, to being a healthier person, and it's very practical. It's not like, you know, eat two eggs in the morning, go and run five miles. It, it talks about your experiences <laughs> uh, going through it. But, and, and, yeah. and the one thing that is in almost every single chapter, which I find extremely important, and people – I. It's, it's, you know, you talk about grounding, how important grounding is. Grounding is extremely important. But people are like, whatever, breathing. (laughs) 
breathing. Mm. I have my yeah. my allergies give me a lot of really difficult time with my um, my breathing. I'll you know occasionally I'll have to go to the emergency room and I'll have to get uh, get medication to open my airways, my airways, my airwaves. There you go. That was a Freudian. Slip. I like it airways. <laughs> But but my airways, I have to, to go and get medication. But that is a final resort for me. The first first thing I do before anything else is breathing. Because if you control your breathing and become cognizant of your breathing, it, it can actually stop you from getting into enough of an a emergent issue that you don't have to run and get chemicals put into you all the time you know it's it's very powerful um i have panic anxiety issues and breathing will help you with that too breathing is so important and breathing um i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna dive into i had to because i was military the best way to get your degree when you go from from base to base to base and you have college classes from everywhere, Wayland Baptist will take your all your credits and allow you to get a degree from them, but you have to take Old Testament and New Testament. <laughs> so my degree is from Wayland Baptist, um, but in my my I had an amazing Old Testament teacher, and I think all pagans should anyone that follows old paths and want to learn about where where abrahamic religions started going off <laughs> and, and and the truly pagan you know you know i'm preaching to the choir with you um mm-hmm. roots of 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 you know the the religions of the middle east um but uh where was i going with this um, oh yeah Inspiration, respiration, <laughs> which it's literally is breathing. Right. In, when you, when you're the spire, respire, inspiration, inspiration, yeah. and you know, yeah. you, and and I'm sorry for 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 having to bring up the Bible in this, but when you talk about the Word at the very beginning, you're talking about how creativity, and and you don't have to put Abrahamic bullshit or whatever or if that's your belief i'm sorry um not i'm sorry that it's your belief i'm I'm sorry that if i offended you but you know it's it's that creation came from breath Mm -hmm. i'm sorry i've been i went off on my tangent and i i wanted to talk about wonderful your book is about breathing and I went off on a whole breathing. No, no, I, 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 I love that. And um, my, um, my magical tradition, which is Appalachian, comes out of a firmly Protestant Christian tradition. And that's just the truth of it. So, mm-hmm. um, so you don't offend me by talking about the Bible. In fact, you know, I, I love to sing some gospel music, even though it's not really my thing. And when I talk about um, my practice and, and yes, it's Protestant. It's not like I come from some strange Scots-Irish uh, pagan leftover tradition. No, no, Dude, it's, Byron. it's Christian. That's who settled this place. Byron, and, I, yeah. I recently found out I'm Moravian. 
that that it's I have ancestors really. ancestors that that basically started Old Salem. That that were man, were, make me some sugar cookies right now. Okay, come on, make me those <laughs> Moravian cookies. I love them. I can buy them for you. <laughs> yes, I can too. Um, well, and it's something yeah. that is happening in the pagan community right now that I think is really important is that we acknowledge those folkloric traditions that came with yeah. us. Uh, and like, I don't. I'm not a Christian, and I've never been a Christian. I come from an unchurched Methodist family. And because of that, I I don't um, automatically cringe when somebody goes, well, you know, in the Old Testament they talk about, yeah, I get that. I've read the Old Testament. I went to a Lutheran school until I was 12 years old. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty well versed in all of that stuff, and I am uh, I'm always fascinated by the folkloric aspect of it. It just yes. it, it fascinates me, and it doesn't it doesn't offend me. In fact, I will when I when I teach about Appalachian folk magic, I go look. Traditional practitioners will say, "I have no skill. I am merely a vessel for spirit." And right. I feel the same way. I'm a vessel for spirit. Now it may be a different spirit than my ancestors thought of, but I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. Well, and that's. I'm trying to to find the words here. That's honestly that's like the core of of my my where I'm coming from too. Um, and when I teach people, um, when I used to teach, I would say, you know, you you have to go a little bit. I think you know, find out about your ancestors, but also find out about what calls you. Find out yeah. about because okay. I, I, you know, some people might get mad at me for this, but I'm not trying to take anything from like the African diaspora beliefs and say that this is the way I believe. But I, I know for a fact that the Orisha Obatala it resonates with me. Not that I'm trying mm-hmm. to take his, his, because I, because I'm, I'm, uh, I've got a genetic disorder. And he's, you know, he protects people who who are who are born with birth defects and such. You know, those are his. Oh, and I've always that. felt, yeah, I've always felt a connection with him because of that. I've always felt that that's oh, that. Interesting. You know, but it's not like I've I went out and I, you know, it's not like I went out and found a book and like, oh yeah, he looks really cool. I think I'm gonna, it's 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 organic, you know. Um, silly dog. And I think that that's where you need to 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 find you know I guess what I'm gonna, what where the bottom line is 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 try to live this try to learn to ground try to learn to to breathe try to listen to yeah. your body listen to spirit do you know what my first spell was what talk about being raised in pro around Protestant my first spell was was a shield. And it was singing this little light of mine. It, it resonated with me that I that I perfect. Yeah, it's like and yeah. I, I remember being you know six years old and and being scared and being in a dangerous situation and you know which what I know now is shielding. I you know I just like boom you know lit myself up and and shielded and you know yeah you sung that song and that's what raised your shield. 
Exactly. It didn't you didn't have to do some, you know, elaborate rhyming couplet bullshit. You <laughs> just sang a song that you knew was gonna light your light your light. Exactly. And let the whoever, whatever was on the outside of that circle know that you were inviolable. Exactly. Yeah, good well, for you. Good for you. I don't. Yeah, six years old, I didn't quite know what I was doing. But that's that's what I say, you know. I tell people that I've always identified as a witch since I was that age, and people are like, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but I used to hold seances when I was six years old. With the neighborhood kids, we would try to call Judy Garland. <laughs> well, I, I, I am I am a person who is often defending the tick world, mm-hmm. and people go, "Oh, those kids on TikTok! Damn it! What have they done now?" Well, all I know is when we most of us most of us elders at this point. When we were when we were first coming up, as they say, it would be five minutes to midnight. And we'd be like, "Where's the Ouija board? We're gonna call somebody. We're gonna we're gonna talk to the dead. Come on, come on!" And the only difference between us and TikTok is that we didn't do a video of it, so that twenty years from now people will look back and go, "Oh God, remember when you did that goofy thing? Remember, remember? Here it is." Yeah. And we didn't have twenty thousand followers. But that's the only difference. We all do goofy things, and we're starting out. We have to do that to test the boundaries and to figure out what it is we can and can't do. Remember when you were doing Blythe Spirit, and this is just something that happened to me. We were doing Blythe Spirit, and uh, Daphne was always – Daphne is the the spirit that Madame Arcardi speaks to in Blythe Spirit. Right, right. And, you know, everything that was going wrong – going, you know, if we heard something, it was always Daphne this and Daphne that – and we're over at my friend's house afterwards, and it's a uh, October windy night, and uh, and the door opens out of nowhere, and everyone's like, you know, oh, it's Daphne, and I do the <laughs> smart ass. I say the smart ass, come in if you're good looking, and the door slammed. Shut. And everyone looked at me, Pam. What did you do? You pissed it off. Could you well, years ago, here's an here's another crazy theater thing for you. Years ago, I had done an adaptation of Medea, <laughs> and I brought in a woman that I knew was an extraordinary actor, and it, it was a really good cast, pretty mm-hmm. good adaptation. But okay, I wait a second. Her. Yep. I know you're in the middle of a story, but I got to go ahead. Not Tyler okay. Perry's. Not Tyler Perry's. No, no, Medea, the Greek Perry. tragedy. Not Tyler Perry, Medea, the Greek tragedy. Yeah. Go ahead. So we are, it's a late one night, and we've got to rehearse the scene where she invokes Hecate. And I had had done the research to do as much as I could to do an authentic invocation. So it's late, and we're tired, and, you know, there's nobody around the theater. Everybody all around the hilarious has gone home. It's like... I'm the director, and I think it was the stage manager was there, and the actor who was. I said, "We're just going to go through it a few times, and then we're all going to go home because we're exhausted." So she, she grounds herself, obviously, and she just starts projecting this sound, and and the Greek is, and it's fairly modern Greek, but it's not 
you know, she says she's doing the Greek, and she does it, and I said, again, and she did it again, and I said, again, and on the third time, as she raises her voice at the end of the invocation to this kind of screeching, howling, keening sound, and the double doors of the theater flew open, and this wind went whooshing around the entire place, and we all just stopped, and we were like, what the hell have we done? What have we done? And we were just rehearsing a scene. It's not like we were, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we invoked her. There was no question. She was there. Yeah. Mama in the house. What did you want? Yeah. I'm here. Yeah, you called me. I love that stuff. I love it. Yeah. I've got yeah, nothing to. I've lived in North Texas and I love to, to. I was. I'm really in tune with the storms there. I'm, I'm trying to learn the winds in North Carolina. I'm, I'm starting to learn. Uh, North Carolina. There. Yeah. Oh, where, where in Texas were you? North Texas, uh, Wichita Falls, right on the border of Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to uh, graduate school in Dallas. Not far. Yeah, not yeah. far. Yeah, not too far. Um, so I was, I, I'm pretty in tune with the weather's, weather systems there. And one day it was storming and I was like, you know, lightning and it would lightning. And I'm like, okay, wind from this direction, it would and like, okay, thunder from that lightning. And it would, and everything I was doing was happening. And as I, I was getting more and more into it and, and more and more, and I was like getting really crazed. And I'm like, more wind, more light. And I said, well, you can do better than that. Wind. And I'm like, and my friend is watching me through this whole thing. And I'm like, you can't do better than that. And the sirens went off. <gasps> wow. And I'm like, oops. It was because I didn't, there wasn't a tornado. The winds just went above a certain level. And it, right. if they go above, uh, I think, 75 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. So after that, though, he was crazy girl. Yeah, he was like really. He, I freaked him out after that. You know, anytime I start talking about storms, he's like, oh, let's change the subject. Let's but, not. Yeah, but but that's what happens when you make those connections, and you just have to. You just. You just you know it's like you go to the store and you buy a raven, and then as you check out, this has one eye. It has you know, only one eye. Exactly. Don't make Well, things... I was at Brushwood a few mm-hmm. years ago for um, for Sirius Rising. Uh-huh. We had come from um, Starwood in Wisterian, Ohio. And we were re- we'd worked hard, and we were looking forward to a couple of days off before we had to start teaching and whatever. And we got hit with this weird microburst. And I'd been napping, and I came out of the tent because it was like, wind and rain and I came out of the tent and I was holding onto the main tent pole as this microburst hit and Mm. it just destroyed our camp destroyed it and I remember standing holding this this post and singing Wagner (laughs) crazy singing Wagner so then and the microburst was done you know it's, it's like 45 seconds of disaster and I am totally naked. The camp is flat around us, except that I'm holding a pole and I'm singing the song of the Valkyrie. And and then I stopped and was like, what the hell just happened? 
And then the storm was going to circle around. And people were like, oh, my God, oh, my God, here it comes again. And I stood there. I dropped the pole. And I stood there in the middle of the camp completely naked. And I turned the storm. It was like, oh, hell no, you are not fucking doing that to me again. Uh-uh. Right. No, no, not here. It was, but, it was hilarious. And I look back on it. I was just standing there singing Wagner. And that's, I, I, you know, I really want to have a conversation with you some other time with uh, talking about storm magic, because that's something that a lot of people don't quite understand. Um, and I remember mm. having, you know, a, a very bad storm, especially this is so important. This is so important as we talk about climate change. It's so important yes. for us to, to, to make those connections with, with, with weather, weather patterns and, and, and the energies of, of weather. Um, you know, the, the, like I was saying, the winds of North Carolina are different than they are in North Texas. And it's hard to explain. But because they, they have their own personality. And whether it's, you know, the ancestors, uh, whether it's from the ancestors, whether it's from the, you know, the, 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 some of it's from the way that the, the land is formed. Um, but what am I trying to say? Um, the I know we had a, like a really bad hurricane was about ready to hit parts mm. of the U.S. And some witchy people I know were kind of scoffing at people who said that they could do weather magic. And like they could stop this this hurricane and i'm trying to explain to them it's not like you're going to stop the hurricane it's it's you when you were talking you connected with that storm obviously because you were singing wagner and and you made that connection so there's a way that you can connect with it to say okay look go somewhere else (laughs) leave this area alone and yeah there's um I've been able to, uh, we had a really bad drought up in Texas, and I explained to people before Circle one time what I wanted them to to do. I said, this is a high-pressure system over us, so I want you to concentrate on poking holes in it. And when you poke the holes in it, it'll be like a bubble that will collapse and will get rain. And out of nowhere, the next day, rain. And that's what I'm talking about. It's not like, ooh, I'm yeah. going to call out the storm. It's like, look, the energies around you, um, figure out how they work. And Right. It's not, I am so powerful, I can move the storm around. It's exactly what you're saying. You connect with the energy of it. And then you do these, it's incredibly subtle sometimes mm-hmm. of shifting, shifting energies, shifting wind patterns. So that it either dissipates or it moves to a, a location that is better. Yeah. It's right. really, yeah, we should have that conversation. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying to, again, I'm trying to figure out how to talk to these these North Carolina winds. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm making friends with them. But, you know, in, in Texas... <sighs> Again, this is the, okay, any young witchlings or anyone, you know, just regardless of your, of your experience level or what you've experienced, um, make the connection. Oh, gosh, you know what I was going to talk about in your book? What? Because it's, it's uh, Arm, Armistice Day. 
is you talked mm. about going to the Joy Selling Kilmer, the Kilmer Forest. Yeah. And he, you know, a lot of people thought Joyce, the name Joyce, it's a, it's a woman, it's a guy. And he's a poet known for, I think that I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. Um, and I did a, I, I did a, a report on him in sixth grade. <laughs> and oh. um, he, um, he died in the war, in the first world war. I must call it the yes. worst world war, but it, it was. It was really bad. It was a horrible. We lost so many, oh, lost so many amazing oh, posts. It was, yeah, and it was horrific in in more ways than you or I could ever recount. Um, I I tell the story of my father was in World War Two, and he loved to talk about. It. He was a farm boy from Madison County, North Carolina, and he saw North Africa and Sicily and Italy and France and. He saw all these things he never would have seen. He almost died a couple of times, but he just he had this amazing time when you would say to him, so how did you spend the war, Daddy? I spent it chasing Rommel's crowd ass across North <laughs> Africa. And he just had this amazing time. But my grandfather was in World War One, and he didn't talk about it. He never talked about it. All we knew is that he was stationed at one point near a town called Nancy, and we just thought that was funny because it was a girl's name. Ha-ha, the town was called Nancy. Ha-ha-ha-ha. Yeah. But he didn't talk about it. And I can remember being, when he was in his 80s, being at the VA hospital, and he was, like, getting dressed again. He was very um, kind of shy and very private, so I, I, I was not allowed to help him dress, so I was talking to his doctor. And I said, anything new we need to know about? And he said, you know, these old guys that were mustard gas." in the world. <gasps> their lungs were just never better. And, and I went, he was mustard gassed. And he, and he said, Oh my God, did you not know the battles he was in? And I was like, no, I had no idea. And so he started naming all these very famous battles of World War One. And he said, your grandfather father was at all of those. And he got mustard gas probably every single time. Oh my and he, God. But he never talked about it. He never talked about it. World War One was a it was a game changer for certainly for all of Europe and for the United States. It's yeah, horrible. It's and it all started because of uh, the people being mean to Vili because uh, the other two uh, the the Czar and the and the King their moms were were sisters and and yeah there's it, right. honestly, I mean all of the yeah, yeah. The, the ruling families of all of Europe were related to each other, so it was really this bizarre family fight. There's a really good book about uh, about. I think it's a. It's I can't remember the 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 order, but it's Kaiser King and Czar, or King Kaiser Czar, something like that. But it talks about how um, Wilhelm II, his uh, his uh, his mother. Basically, the the two sisters with that uh, the Tsar came from, Tsar Nicholas, and uh, I'm trying to remember which king. Um, I think it might have been Edward. I don't. But anyhow, they were um, the mothers were friends and and gossipy and mean girls. And poor Billy. Um, poor Billy. Yeah. Well, it, but he was he was he was very strange, and he had like yes, a kind he was. of. 
a palsy and he loved to wear his uniforms and he was taken advantage of by some very strange people and Germany got in on the colonialism at the tail end of colonialism and here's you know Russia with this big empire and in England with this big empire and here's Billy saying I'm going to make more ships in and try to and and yeah, so there's a lot that people that that people suffered because of the these. Um, and I'm half Turkish, so there's a whole bit about Ooh. Turkey. Oh God, yeah, no, that whole yeah. that's horrifying, horrifying. That's one of the things I like to tell when people talk about what's going on in the Middle East. They they say, oh, we could take the whole thing and bomb it into the stone. I'm like, we should take the whole thing and give it back to the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> Not that it was better. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Somebody recently said to me, so does it feel like we're revisiting, like, everything? And I'd seen a show a couple of nights ago about what happened in Central America because of Reagan and and all yeah. of that. And and it is like all of our our chicks are coming home to roost. To roost. All those things, like, I mean, what's going on in Turkey right now? And we basically yeah. handed Turkey over to to Hitler. We said, yeah. you know, if you'll just take Turkey and leave this stuff over here alone, and, and Hitler was like, yeah, great, I'll take Turkey. Yeah, right. And the whole yeah. thing about the Middle East, the way it was parceled up. Yeah. Hey, I'll take the river oh. here. There's a river here. You and I both love politics too much. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, the Kurds, they don't need a place. Yeah, whatever. The Kurds can just go. Right, the Kurds, yeah. Who who knows? Who knows? Um, Oh, God. Can can you indulge me into letting me read a poem? Could you talk about it? please. Okay. Uh, One of my favorite World War I poets, he's a British guy, Wilfred Owen. And oh, one of course, his, yeah, yeah <laughs> one of his most famous poems is Dulce et decorum est, bent double mm. like old beggar, beggars under sacks, knock-kneed, coughing like hags, we cursed through the sludge, till on the haunting flares we turned our backs, and toward our distant <sighs> rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep, many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshot, mm. all went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, deaf, even to the hoots of gas shells dropping softly behind. Gas! Gas! Quick, boys! The ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets in just in time, but someone still yelling, was still yelling out and stumbling, and floundering like a man in fire or lime, dim through the misty panes of thick green light, as under a green sea I saw him drowning. In all my dreams before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in and watch his white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like the devil sick of sin, you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from froth-corrupted lungs. Obscene as cancer, Bitter as the cud of vile, incurable souls on innocent tongues. My friend, you would not tell with such high zest to children ardent for 
some desperate glory, the old lie, dulce et decorum est, propatia mori. Mm. Sorry. No, blessed be. How beautiful. How horrible. How horrible and beautiful. I, I don't know. Mm. I When you started yeah. talking about your, your grandfather, I'm like, that's, people don't. Now, see, I was going to end the show with with uh, with Appalachia burning, because you know, oh god, and then you because, knew I would cry like a baby. Well, because the Tuatha Day is going to do something coming up, and you posted it, so yeah, they're going to be. Yeah. And let me just give a shout out. They're going to be at the White Horse in Black Mountain on December the nineteenth to drop this brand new CD, which is called Irish Eyes, and they're going to be playing every song on the CD at this uh, performance. So y'all need to come up to Asheville or come over to Asheville or down to Asheville or wherever. December the 19th at the White Horse and Black Mountain. It's going to be, it's going to be something. It's going to be something to write home about. Every time the family is out. I mean, I remember the first time I interviewed them and people were like, you need to go see them live. And I'm like, but I live in Texas. I'm not going to, but we were mm. able to get them. Now they have the, the, where I used to live in Texas in Wichita Falls, they, they have a home now at the Iron Horse Pub, which is a really one of the top 10 places yeah. in, in Texas for live music. Um, and so that worked out, but it's, it's so funny because that first trip that they made to Texas was such a horrible one for them. And I'm saying yeah. it's so funny because it wasn't, I mean, didn't Brandon got bit by a brown recluse. Uh, they had a, 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 a date pull out on them. You know, it, it was not a fun trip. And then they, they roll into Wichita Falls and it's like this old, you know, something out of, out of literally out of uh, uh, the last picture show, because that's like in that area. And, you know, they roll up, roll up into my town and it's like old, depressed, falling down downtown. And Brandon's looking like he turned 21 on the trip and he's looking like, Oh my gosh, this is, yeah, this is, what did Pam get us into? And I bring him in. I'm like pointing at all the different people who played there. Like, you know, D.B. Uh, King, all these different really, you know, big acts that were there. And I pointed at one and he looked at, Brandon looks at it and said, Joe Bonamassa. Joe Bonamassa played the stage? That just made everything change. Because music's so important. Wow. Music is so important. It really is. It's so important, and we are so blessed in the pagan and pagan affiliate communities to have yes. so many really, really talented people. I played a, a thing at in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, it's been a month ago now. It's like a pagan pride event, and uh-huh. um, S.J. Tucker was there. <gasps> and so yeah. Suge and I, we've not seen each other in several years, and she's not been out very much. Of course, none of us have. But, man, what a blessing to just sit and watch her do her thing. Same with Mama Gina. I'm a big fan of Mama Gina. And Mama, uh, Ginger Doss. Oh, God. Yeah, well, see, Gina yeah. Gina and and Ginger came. Gina came. Mama Gina came and stayed with me right before heading down to, to the Green Album, uh, the, yeah. that whole yeah, festival. Yeah. 
And then Ginger came on the way back. So I, they, they got to hang out. I got to hang out with them. Ginger gives like the best hugs in the world. <laughs> she does. <laughs> the first time Ginger. she and I, I mean, we had kind of crossed paths, paths a couple of times, but the first time we were at, I think we're at Starwood together. And, and she, she came to where I was camped and she went, is that you? And I said, is that you? And then we both just started fanning ourselves, like, I'm just so fangirl about this. I'm just such a fangirl. So we fangirled each other. It was great. <laughs> I can see that, too. I love that girl. I love her so much. I mean, we were just blessed with all those wonderful people. Well, and you brought up Suge. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation with Suge right before the show because I told her I wanted to play her new the new song, which I that's what I was playing when you when uh, you and uh, Selena were talking in the green room. So <laughs> it's uh, uh, Al, Alchemical. So good to connect with her. Thank you. Al, yeah. Thank you. Alchemist Eyes and is the new song, yes. and so I said, hey. I should have you on the show because I'm starting to get back into doing this. So so first time you're hearing this for the first time, uh, SJ just, uh, has agreed to be on um, – on, it's going to be on a Sunday and December yes. 5th and um, in the afternoon. But the reason I wanted to do it on December 5th is because that's Krampusnacht. So, Krampusnacht. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because she has a song Yay. about the use of Krampus, so I want to yeah. want to do yeah. that. So so getting into uh, the, the spirit of the holidays. Um, yes. So okay, so we should we should Byron, I could talk to you for another five hours, but but we should wrap I up. I know, me too. You yeah. <laughs> okay? Um, um, the, let me tell let me tell your listeners how they can get me. I'm mm-hmm. at myvillagewitch.com is my um, website. And you can email me at info at myvillagewitch.com. I'm really active on Facebook as Byron Ballard. I'm sort of active on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Again, Byron Ballard. So, yeah, uh, check me out. Hook hook up if you you want the Embracing Willendorf book and you want it signed. Go ahead and you can order it at my website and I will sign it for you. Hell, I'll even gift wrap it for you if you want it gift wrapped. And that goes for my four earlier books and then the new books from Llewellyn and Wiser. Just get them wherever you get your books. I I, I hope that, that I did not that nobody came away with, with Llewellyn being a bad publisher because they have changed no, no, no. tremendously. They really have. From the and they do really days. good work. And Llewellyn mm-hmm. and Wiser, I mean they're they're my home publishers now and I'm really I feel honored to work with both of them. Yeah. Speaking of honored to work Yay. with people, I'm honored that you that you came on the show. I'm glad that that I live in the in your home state now. Uh, once I got I can't here, we started... finally did this. We finally yes. did this after how many years have we been talking about this? <laughs> well, you know, things kind of fell like the rug got pulled out from under me with a with a other podcasting that I was doing. So I kind of just went like, yeah. Oh, and then it was that kind of global pandemic thing. What was that all yeah, about? Yeah, that global pandemic thing. And then, yeah. <sighs> so, and but but I just got super super busy with with um with politics, and um I'm gonna go ahead and do my like little you know people if if you want to make change, poli- just like all the stuff that we're talking about with practical magic, 
uh, politics has its own magic too. And I'm not talking about cursing the former president, which, you know, I'm not saying that that's not a bad thing, but I'm saying that there's, if, I'm not if saying don't do make, it, but. Yeah, I'm not, not saying that that's, yeah, just, you know, but there's other things you can do. So, um, and positive things that you can do, um, like protecting. And one of those things is run for office. Yeah. Run for office. School you taken in office. County oh, commissioner. School board big time. School board big yeah. time. We really need people and, and county commissioners. Um, and if you want any help with anything, you can find me on, on Facebook. You can message me here on uh, on Blog Talk Radio and say, hey, Pam, how do I get connected? Let's do that. <laughs> and I'll try to send yes. you. Yes. Send you to the right people. And, and um, be as fearless as you can be because we need you. We do need you. And if you knew the stuff that's going on out there, if you got involved and saw how how dangerously close we are to losing a lot of our rights, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm being alarmist because we have to be. And Oh, yeah. And let's be honest, you know, neo-paganism, and I'm going to call it neo-paganism because what, what grew up in in the U.S. in like the late 60s, into the seventies is rooted in activism. So yes, absolutely. So I, I was always get on it. Hip, I, I was the hippie wannabe. So now I'm doing it. So everybody <laughs> joined. I, my dream would be like to have a, a phone bank of just pagans, you know, just pagans calling wow. the people and saying, Hey, you know, I'm here to help you vote. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, Mother Grove Goddess Temple uh, t- does rides to the polls on for elections. Room? We will. On your room? Yep, room we'll rides. pick you up. <laughs> we'll pick you up and take you to your polling place. Yep. That's and see, that's really, really um, get involved with doing that. Um, I I know we said we're going to end, but I'm going to go ahead and, and throw this out there. The reason I started, I used to go from place to place being military. And never quite finding, I kind of stuck my nose in the air with, you know, the different groups of the area that I was at. Like, they don't worship like me. They don't do things like me. Yeah, and, yeah. And then I got to the point of, like, well, if I want to see things done a certain way, then I need to step up and, and be a leader. I need to not just be, yeah. you know. And and um, one of the things that was important to me in North Texas, it is – I can tell you horror stories of, of who came out of there and, and how it's, you know, been the bane of a lot of um, – Pastor Robert Jeffers ran the First Baptist Church in Wichita Falls, and now he's the head of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, and he's like a, a Fox News contributor. And there's a story out there that he had uh, lunch at Wendy's with a certain orange guy, and that's when the orange guy's campaign turned around. So there's like a lot of stuff Ooh. that I come – yeah, there's a lot of, you know, oppressive stuff and I was thinking you know they have if you're if you belong to a church though and if you're like I'm low on groceries the church is going to take care of you and I wanted that same type of community for for pagans who who do we you know right. if we're like running low on groceries who and I know Mother Grove does a lot of that too you know we do do like, that and we started um, and we started a nonprofit 
called the Coalition of Earth Religions. And if anybody wants to know more information about how you get your crazy, I am not going to worship like you group of people in your community together, send me an email, info at myvillagewitch.com. Because we realized realized that we couldn't worship together, but we could do stuff together. We could do a food pantry. We could do highway cleanup. We could do that sort of stuff together. But worshiping together was just too hard. And so, yeah, figure out how you can do social services for pagans. And we don't, we're not exclusively for pagans, but we have right. a food pantry. And if you are hungry, we will give you food. You don't have to pray with us. You don't have to, you know, raise your hand to the goddess for us. You just have to say, I'm in, I'm in trouble. I need food. And we will do that. Now, we can't help you with rent and other stuff like that because we're just not big enough. But we can get you food. You don't have to strip so naked unless you want to. No, no. Well, yeah, I guess if you want <laughs> to. But there, there are some laws that apply with that, you know, so yes, follow the laws. Yes. Exactly, exactly. But, but yeah. do it, yeah, I, I talk about this all the time, but we have to assume that we're going to have to do some of this stuff for ourselves and stop being ninnies about it. Just go, yeah. okay. If we need a food pantry because I don't want my pagan friends to have to go pray to Jesus in order to get a box of rice and beans and commodity cheese, then start it yourself. Do oh, it my yourself. God. It's not, government it's not hard. Government cheese is oh, so government good. government cheese. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, it's like super Velveeta. It's really good. I'm it's not going to complain. Oh, my God. It kept me, kept me from starving many a time. Yes. God, yes. I love talking to you. Let's. Let's do all politics next show. Pagans okay. and politics. Pagans and politics. I would love that. that. Can I do? And welcome I wanna... back to the airwaves, girl. Thank you. Thank you. I want to do another because it's Arm- it's Armistice Day, and this is like not a not a pagan song, but we're talking about this. If you haven't heard this song, you're probably not going to want to stick around because I'm going to end on this song. You're probably not going to want to stick around for the the whole song, but I'll I'll send you a link to it and get a box of Kleenex, especially since what you've told told me about your father or your grandfather. Um, You've heard Mm. of the Christmas truce of of, uh, of, uh, 1914? Okay. Um, It's Christmas in the Trenches. Have you ever heard that song? It is going to make me cry. It will. It's It's so good, though. It is like yeah. the best song ever, and it makes me cry. So, so I'm going to warn everyone, you know, please stick around for the song. And then uh, I don't know when I'm coming back next, but Byron, I'm glad that you like coming here, and we'll talk about politics. I had such a good time. I yes, did too. next time it's all politics and getting pagans into it. Because the more pagans we have running, the more we're going to normalize the idea that pagans run for office. Exactly. Exactly. And we we'll can, do I'm, it. Do you have any pagans that you know? I my niece ran for city council in High Point. Um, Good for her. Yeah, she had a really. Rough I'm running time for there. soil and water. I'm going to run for soil and water conservation. Probably the next. I time. would love to run for soil and water conservation. Okay. Doesn't that seem perfect? It was pagans perfect. doing soil and water conservation. Perfect. It. I. I thought. And the about school board. It. And the school board. I'm probably if I run for anything, I'll probably run for the school board, because yeah. you know you've got these these people that are trying uh trying. It's so important. The, it is so important. 
the late 80s, early 90s, there was like this, the satanic panic happened and people were complaining about um, in, in like where my kids went to school, they were like saying, oh, this kid's book for second grade are telling kids how to make a chant. So they're teaching them magic. I'm like, I wish I don't have yeah, to do right. it all at home. But yeah. <laughs> All right, I know you need to go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've had such a great time. I did too, Byron. I love you. Thank you so much. I love you too. And we'll talk again soon. soon. And get this book, Embracing Villendorf. I have a body of a goddess. It's on the cover, my body of the Villendorf. That looks like me, (laughs) except for the... I love her. I love her. I love her. I love her. I do too. I do too. Okay, so this is John McCutcheon. I love you. This is John McCutcheon. It's a live uh, cut, uh, Christmas in the Trenches. And grab a, you've been warned, grab a box of tissues. It's special for, um, and it's a true story, and it's special for uh, Veterans Day, Armistice Day here on the, the, the Witching Hour spellcast here. Um, this is Pam at Porch. Thanks, Byron. There's Thank you. Bye, everybody. You and there are other songs that you just sort of write down. They come through you, and they, and that was definitely the case for this song, so I can speak with it with a certain amount of uh, distance. This came to me totally as a gift. Uh, five minutes, bam, it was there. And some of the most remarkable things that have happened to me in my life have happened to me because of this song. Probably the most remarkable thing, though, that's happened to me is happened a couple of years ago when I was at a little festival in Denmark, a little town called Turnder. Every time I played, there was this little bevy of very old, and we're talking old, uh, German men who would come across the border and showed up at my shows, and they usually came in late, came trotting up the aisle, and there usually wasn't a seat left. So they just stood there at the edge of the stage and watched me, and without expression, turned around, left when I was done. At the last set, and I'm watching these guys turn around to leave as I finish my last song, and I'm thinking, who are these guys? So I sat down my auto harp or whatever I was playing, jumped off the edge of the stage and ran up the aisle and caught the last guy. And I said, you guys have been really sweet showing up all these places, but what's the deal? And the guy said, well, we're here because, because of that song. I said, what song? Well, you know that song, the one that's on the radio. That's how we heard about you and about this festival. He said, because all our lives, our families, our friends, have told us we were crazy. Couldn't possibly have happened to us. But then we heard your song on the radio and we said, see, see, because we were there. And they were there 75 years ago, this last Christmas Eve, when... uh, the events of this song commemorates happened. Oh, my name is Francis Tolliver. I come from Liverpool. Two years ago, the war was waiting for me after school. From Belgium and to Flanders, to Germany to here, I fought for king and country I love dear. It was Christmas in the trenches, where the frost so bitter hung The frozen fields of France Were still no Christmas songs were sung Our families back in England Were toasting us that day 
their brave and glorious lives so far away. Well, I was lying with my messmates on the cold and rocky ground when across the lines of battle came a most peculiar sound. Says I, now listen up, me boys, each soldier strained to hear as one young German voice sang out so clear. He's singing bloody well, you know, my partner says to me. Soon one by one each German voice joined in in harmony. The cannons rested silent and the gas clouds rolled no more as Christmas brought us respite from the war. Well, as soon as they were finished and a reverent pause was spent, God rest ye merry gentlemen, struck up some lads from Kent. Oh, the next they sang was stealing up, tis silent night, says I, and in two tongues one song filled up that sky. There's someone coming towards us, the front-line sentry cried. All sights were fixed on one lone figure Trudging from their side Its true flag like a Christmas star Shone on that plain so bright As he bravely strode unarmed in Unarmed in, unarmed in, unarmed in, unarmed in Unarmed in, by one on either side Walked into no man's land With neither gun nor bayonet We met there hand to hand Oh, we shared some secret brandy and we wished each other well. And in a flare-lit soccer game, we gave them hell. We traded chocolates, cigarettes, and photographs from home. These sons and fathers far away from families of their own. Young Sanders played his squeeze box and they had a violin. This curious and unlikely band of men. Soon daylight stole upon us. France was France once more. With sad farewells, we each began to settle back to war. But the question haunted every heart that beat that wondrous night. Whose family have I fixed within my sight? It was Christmas in the trenches where the frost so bitter hung. Frozen fields of France were warmed as songs of peace were sung. The walls they'd kept between us to exact the work of war had been crumbled. And we're gone forevermore. Oh, my name is Francis Tolliver. In Liverpool I dwell. Each Christmas comes since World War One. I've learned its lessons well. That the ones who call the shots won't be among the dead and lame. And on each end of the rifle, we're the
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.